0: Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where we have deep, intimate conversations about self-empowerment and future existence. I am an intuitive healer and a light leader who has been called to activate other light leaders. So I'm curious, are you one of them? So by listening, lean in and see if you are ready to be that eternal potential you've been called to be. Using your bravery, your talent, your tenacity, can you be innovative and adventurous in order to activate your life and lead from that place? This is where we learn how to love ourselves from the inside out and love the whole world over and over again. Enjoy the show. So today, we're going to talk about grief. And I'm excited to have this conversation with this author because she's got a book out called Grief and Happiness Handbook. And it's a workbook, which I I I love because I like to do the work. So I want to welcome Emily Thoreau Threat. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. And okay, I got all sorts of energy just like zipping around me. So um, the book is called The Grief and Happiness Handbook, a supportive guide to help you reclaim your life while grieving. So Emily, I'm gonna say straight up at the beginning of the show, and then I'll probably goo all over you during the show. (laughs) But thank you for writing this. Thank you definitely for writing this. Um, Years ago, I did a grief recovery handbook. I forget the guys' names. And that was so helpful because there was exercises. And this, this handbook that you've written, has exercises and um for anybody that's processing any heavy 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 duty emotion of grief which peels off layers of anger and shame and all that all those emotions right to have a book like this and you've got you've got in it where there's places to write i love it love 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 it so let's Uh, Emily, let's back up, and if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your personal story so we, the listeners and I, can understand what led you to begin to write this kind of a book. Okay. Uh,
1: Well, I have had two wonderful husbands, great relationships, uh, and they both died (laughs) and died of the same thing, ironically. I had no wow. idea the second one was gonna have what the first one had when I met him, but that's how things turned out. And the the first time, I, I thought I was prepared because uh, my husband, Jacques, was a, a philosophy professor and a bioethicist, and his specialty was living and dying. Mm. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So he, he facilitated a, a, a group in our community back uh, in the days when they didn't have very many grief groups. They didn't. He, he even helped with getting hospice into that community because they didn't have that at the time. So he was kind of a, a pioneer in the, the movement that's become so broad now. And because we had so many conversations, uh, I really thought that I was in, in uh, pretty good shape because he was sick for two years before he died. I, I knew I um, mean. But it still, it was a real challenge when it actually came down to it. And I discovered things along the way in my grief then. Um, one thing in particular that really helped me, that really surprised me, that it made me be able to open up for the rest of my life to be able to uh, see that, there was life beyond that moment, which I was wondering about. And we had such a good relationship. I never thought I'd get married again. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I met Ron, uh, not knowing that 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 was what was where it was going to lead or what was going to happen. That we had a beautiful, wonderful relationship. He was as opposite from Jacques as he could have been, with the exception that they both loved me very much and I loved them very much. And there there was no question about that and that it made our lives together really good. And he he also in, was, uh, he had a very rich career in doing a whole lot of things, but toward, toward the end of his career days, he decided to become a, a minister and he was a, a New Thought minister and so his his uh, thoughts were much different than my um, philosophical husband. <laughs> so they were they were just as opposite as they could have been. But with Ron, we really practiced living in the moment, and I really thought that that was going to make all the difference. Went after he transitioned, and it did in some ways, but in other ways, I I felt. Like, I really wasn't sure what I was supposed to do at that point. Right. I had moved from California to Maui two years before he died because he lived here long before I knew him. And when he realized the shape his health was in, he said this is where he really wanted to be. So uh, I surprised myself and said, yes. <laughs> and left California where I'd spent my whole life and we came here. And so in two years, he was also sick for two years, And at at that time, I thought, okay, I don't know a whole lot of people here. I've been spending my time mostly with being with him and taking care of him, and I wasn't really sure what to do next. And I'm a writer. I I taught writing at the university level for most of my career, and I I love to write to express myself. I wrote college textbooks and did all that kind of thing. And so I thought, I'm just going to write because my my mind was kind of going all over the place and I needed something to ground me and I found that <laughs> writing was grounding me. And the more I wrote, the more I could see it was helping me. And I thought, you know, I bet you I could help other people who are dealing with grief uh, with dealing with their grief if they'd write some of the ways that I am. So since I didn't know anybody, I put a message on Meetup and said, if you're grieving and you want to learn how to write, help you with that, come on over to my house. And they did. <laughs> so awesome. I made lots of new friends. <laughs> awesome. And that was that was great. And I was, I was really enjoying that. And then uh, several months after Ron died, his very good friend on the mainland, uh, we were family friends. They were neighbors, didn't live too far away and he just dropped dead on his way home from work. And Bye. he was much younger than my husband. He called my husband dad, so there was that, that big of a, a age difference. And I was so concerned for his wife because I knew that she, you know, I had two years both times to prepare for what was coming on and she had no preparation at all because she had no idea that at that point in her life he would transition. Mm-hmm. So I decided I, I needed to do something for her. And since I wasn't there with her, um, I thought I'm going to write her every week for a year. Wow. To help her through this year to support her. And so I designed these little cards like note cards that that open up and on the front of it I I put on each one I put a different picture that I'd taken someplace here in Maui because I, I knew she loved Hawaii she'd been here to see us a few times and then inside I thought if I'm going to write 52 different cards I better figure out what I'm going to write before I start writing them because <laughs> I didn't want to be redundant and I didn't want to run out of things to say so I sat down and and in just a couple of days, I had come up with 52 different ideas of things that I could see that could help her or comfort her during her grief. And when I did that, I thought, wow, this is an outline for a book. Yep, yep. So I wrote that book and it turned out that the the publisher that I, I traditionally published it and the publisher that gave me the contract after they signed the contract for the number of words I'd already written, they said, we're gonna have to cut this drastically because it's much too long. So <laughs> I wasn't very happy about that, but um, we ended up publishing 26 chapters. Half of the mm-hmm. 52 was one chapter based on each one of those notes. Mm-hmm. And then a, a couple of years later, I decided to go a different direction with the publishing because they were gonna publish the the second book. Ah, yeah. the pandemic had happened in the meantime and things were crazy with publishers and things that were going on. And I thought I'm I'm I want more control. I'm gonna see about self-publishing this time. And by that time we had the Grief and Happiness Alliance nonprofit organization. And I approached them and I said, how about if we publish this together and all the proceeds go to the nonprofit to keep it going so we can keep doing this work. And they loved it. And so the the second, last July, the the second 26 chapters came out, and that's the Grief and Happiness Handbook. And when we were getting that published, my publisher had, of course, read uh, what I had written, and she loved the idea of the cards, and she said, why don't you publish those cards? And I said, I would love to. I checked into all different kinds of way, and it was cost prohibitive, and I just couldn't make it work. And she says, well, we can arrange to have them printed, and she did. And they're gorgeous, and they they just came out just a, a couple of weeks ago, we finally have them. So- Is it on the website? It's it's on Amazon. It's, okay. Uh, the grief and happiness cards. So it's, remember, okay. this is what they look like. Oh, wow, wonderful. It's, it's a big, thick box, and on the front of each card, we have uh, whatever the message is. Like this one is, you're beautiful and on the other side there's a picture that I took in Maui nice a lot of the pictures are actually in my yard so i live in a really beautiful place that they the people who have uh, seen them are just thrilled with them because they can they can use them however they want to they can give them as a bereavement gift or they can pull out a card when they need some support and see what it is that it has to say to them that day and or they can Get a box of envelopes and mail one to somebody every week for a year, like I did.
0: When you said you were doing that for your friend, I thought, what a wonderful, supportive, loving, kind practice for someone who you know to do. uh, What because whether it's a a grieving a, a an actual death or grieving. Uh, a divorce like I went through mm-hmm. it to know that there was somebody thinking about me every week would be so helpful in getting through whatever that, that, the process of, of reclaiming your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what you say. Reclaiming your life while you're grieving. So, um, so let's talk about that in terms of this book. Um, oh by the by the way everybody christmas is coming oh wait christmas just happened because this airs later <laughs> there there just get the cards because I'm big <laughs> on cards I'm really big on cards um but let's talk about the, some of the practices that you have in here you have a happiness practice a transformation timeline um things like that so so okay so let's Let's talk about the transformation timeline, Emily. What's the purpose of that as you're grieving?
1: A lot of times when people are grieving, they feel kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. I know I did. I thought, what do I do now? And I really spent a lot of time in meditation and lots of journaling and asking what my purpose was because I, I had been pretty clear most of my life on what my purpose was. And at this point, everything was different. And so I needed to figure out, okay, I I live in the moment. I love the moment. But I wanted some guidance on the next steps to take me in the direction that was going to serve me best.
0: Can I ask you a question about that? Mm-hmm. So like, uh, I know when uh, when I was in deep grief, um, I there wasn't there wasn't any action i could take do you know it's like like almost like being frozen or numbed and and so um so how did you get from numbness to then saying okay what's my new purpose it was
1: um i i spent a time both times when my husband's died of kind of isolation and and quiet And I eventually got to the point where I watched some television because I couldn't seem to read. I I tried to read, just wasn't tracking. And I wasn't really paying attention to the television, but after Ron died, I found the Hallmark Channel and (laughs) (laughs) I would just have that on kind of in the background because I didn't have to pay attention to it, but Mm -hmm. it was generally positive. And I knew everything was always going to turn out right at the end. It was always going to have a positive ending, and I just needed to have something where I could hear someone's voice and I could hear positive things being said. Yeah, and that that helped me through that. It, but as as I started, I'd call it kind of waking up and realizing what I needed. I uh, needed. To pay attention so that I could make the most out of this beautiful life I'd been given instead of just wasting it away. And so that's that's where all the writing came in. And I just started writing and trying to to just I wasn't directing the writing, I was just saying, you know, help me. What is it that that I'm looking for? What what direction should I go? What's gonna guide me at this point? And so I'm sorry Uh, no that's okay I'm sorry so um
0: because I when I opened up your book because I like to just open up uh I saw that you have a section of intentions gratitude happiness affirmation and and I love that because that's that's how I work that's what I do um so when you're processing grief what kind of an intention do you you come up with, like, okay, I'm grieving, so
1: I want to be happy? You could. You can come up with whatever intention you feel is going to serve you the most right then. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes for me, it was eating. Today, I'm going to eat something healthy. It was as simple as that. Because even that was almost beyond me, and it's not unusual right. for that to happen early on. Right. But you you find that that progresses, and and your intentions become stronger. Um, I mentioned there was one thing that I found after uh, uh, Jacques died that really helped me. He died in February, and when it was New Year's, almost almost a year later, I was thinking. I'm not getting any. <laughs> I just feel kind of stuck. What What is it that I need to do? And I thought, well, I could write New, new Year's resolutions. And when I'd done that in the past, uh, you know, I wrote them down. And the next week, I'd already forgotten what they were. So I, right. I decided this time I was going to choose one thing. And I decided that that would be my intention for that year. And I would... That's brilliant. And I didn't know what it was going to be. I just decided that I was going to know that. And something came to me. And what came to me was to accept invitations. Wow, that's actually pretty powerful. It was, especially considering I wasn't getting invited to do anything or go into inflation (laughs) because I had been isolating myself. But once I committed to doing that, I started receiving invitations. Amazing invitations that changed my life. Things I never would have sought out myself. I wouldn't have thought of it, but they just kept falling in my life. And I kept saying yes. And it was time after time these great things happened. Things like the the first one that happened was I got invited to be on the editorial board for the newspaper. Ooh. And I, wow, wouldn't, wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have even. Considered that, but I was invited to do it, and I thought, well, this is an invitation, and it was a year-long position, and I learned so much and met so many people. It got me out of the house, and I, it was very positive. And then other other things that happened was uh, Jacques had been on the ethics committee at the local regional medical center as as a professional, and they also had positions on the the committee for lay people and they called me and they said we know you can't take shock's position because that was a professional position but would you like to be a lay representative on that committee and it was amazing it's the committee that recommends life and death situations for people that don't have anybody to make those recommendations for them oh my goodness and it, it, it was a big deal and again met a lot of people i wouldn't have met before learned a lot of things really felt i was of service I started going to a trainer because I'd been sitting too long <laughs> mm-hmm, Yep. and I went to this trainer and he was a, a, a bicycle rider, racer, and he would go, he was an ultra marathon racer. He would go on these really, really long races and he invited me to go on one of the races with him to be in the follow car. Because um, there's, you always need help with things like that. And the first race I went on with him was, uh, it was two people that were uh, racing together, and they when they'd trade off, the one that wasn't racing would get in the car, and I'd be helping them do whatever. That was what I was supposed to do, but the driver for the car didn't show up, <laughs> so I drove straight for almost 24 hours. I think it was 23 and something hours. Oh my gosh! And we came in first. But oh my gosh! I slept for three days afterwards, <laughs> but and it was it was from Magic Mountain in California out into the desert to Twenty Nine Palms. Oh no, uh, yep. Yeah, and we started out in the morning, and it went morning through the night, and amazing experience. And then because that was, I did really well with that. He invited me to um, work go with him on the Race Across America from. Mm-hmm from oh California to um, New Jersey. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, fortunately, when one of my other early careers was as a nurse, and I was the nurse on that team. And when he got up in the hills, our mountains in Colorado, he got pneumonia. <laughs> and he was really, really sick. And we ended up having to transport him by ambulance. They assumed that he had a heart attack. Oh gosh, and it, it was really a big deal. And I was really glad that I could be there and help him and knew what to do. And he turned out all right. That was the one time that he was in that race that he had to drop out because of what happened. But generally when he was in that race, uh, sometimes it was one people, one person. He, I don't think he ever did it solo, but he was on the race that I was on, there were two people. Sometimes there were four people that were racing at the same time so they could switch off. And he always set a record every time he did it. And he had gotten to the position where he was in the older category <laughs> at that point, and he was still setting a record in that category every time he'd do it. So oh my it was goodness! A phenomenal experience because we were going across the country at someplace between eighteen and, and twenty-six miles an hour. Oh my gosh! So who who would have thought that I would do something like that? Furthest thing. I also got invited to create a film festival, which I did. I got invited to go to South Africa, and I did. And it, it was amazing. And it, just doing setting that one intention, saying one thing with no expectation, I wasn't saying i I want to do this. I said, I wanna, want to uh, want the inspiration of whatever it is that comes from accepting the invitations. So then Emily, I,
0: Because part of this thing, part of your, it's a, it's a, there's four gratitude and happiness. It sounds like you got a lot of happiness out of doing that all that. Absolutely. Saying yes to invitation, but then affirmation. So, so I, I, I've been taught and I teach that I use affirmations to lift myself up out of a, a low level vibratory feeling. And so do you, when you're setting intentions, do you use the affirmation, you know, do it all together or you let each one become
1: a step? They, I really formally do it kind of as steps, but the affirmation is really kind of an expression of the intention to me. So they mm-hmm. they, they get kind of, they, they work together that way. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, actually.
0: Uh, expression of the intention um so then let's talk about your happiness practice okay Okay. happiness because it is a it's a it's a handbook about grief and happiness
1: Mm -hmm. well that came to me because uh initially with all the the writing groups that i did i did it initially on ground and then the pandemic happened so we took it online and it was basically writing uh to help support people through grief. And I kept feeling like something was missing. And I wasn't sure what it was, but I knew there was something and then I knew I was supposed to discover what it was. And I had read Marcy Shimoff's book, Happy For No Reason after Jacques died. And <clears throat> I ran across when I was in this searching mode, ran across the something about her online that said that she had a Happy For No Reason certified trainer program. And when I saw that, I thought, trainer, my classes, this fits just perfectly. So I looked into it, and it turns out that when you become certified with Marcy, you can use all of the research and everything she's learned about teaching people happiness and different happiness practices and encouraging people to be happy any way you want to use it. And I thought, this this is how I want to use it. So that led me to create the Grief and Happiness podcast, Uh, to create the grief and happiness alliance and now my writing group has turned into uh, we call it gatherings that we have every week and we write together and then we talk uh, about what we wrote and they break into small groups so everybody gets to speak and and be heard and then at the end we learn a happiness practice every week of something that they can do and that comes out of the writing that that's no, it's, it's something separate. The the, the oh, okay. practice. Sometimes it comes from the writing, but generally it's it it's something separate. And I I found that at the end of each one of these meetings, our gatherings, everybody was smiling, and I thought we're doing something right because this this is a direction that I wanted to go. I wanted people to see that they could grieve and they could smile at the same time. They could find yes, I can relate to and
0: yes. I, and I so appreciate that, Emily, because, um, you know, I've seen several clients through grief processes and I don't know, do you think that we have this idea as maybe Westerners, actually, that if you're grieving, it's a dark, heavy, isolating thing and, and
1: any kind of joy or happiness is inappropriate? I think in our society, in, in America... That's kind of we don't talk about it expressed that way, but that's kind of the expectation. Yeah,
0: and if you if you become happy, well, it used to be like in in the eighteen hundreds, right? It, that that Victorian era, you had to grieve for a year. You had to wear women had to wear black for a year and and actually not leave the house. How does that help you regain your life
1: if you if you can't keep living alive? Yeah, it it doesn't. In, in, yeah. And it was worse than that. You could not, you had to wear black. You had to not leave your house for the rest of your life after your husband died.
0: Oh, God. Well, that's, uh, however, so many ways wrong right there. Yeah. But it was
1: a long time ago, but that's what they actually did. That was their belief. Wow. And I think Help our, just, yeah. <laughs> We've evolved from there, but we still have. There's there's a lot around grief of uh, uh, people thinking of of this. You you can't smile. You can't. You know everything's wrong for you. You'll never be happy again. And it's it's my mission in in life <laughs> that uh, I will help show people that they can be happy, and it's it's appropriate for them to be happy. Yeah, and they're still grieving. They, I, I believe you don't get over grief. A lot of people think that you do. That you do things to get over grief, and and as long as you love someone, you are going to grieve them. So I'm, I'm grieving both of my husbands at the same time. I know I will for the rest of my life. Yeah. I still love them, whether they're here physically or not. I still have that that love. There's no no question about that. Yeah. And I live my best life and can help a whole lot of other people because I figured out how to be happy at the same time.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because my current spouse, um, he lost his wife of 28 years, and then we met. And um and he's remarkable. He's just remarkable. But I would early on, I would find him just sitting on the couch with tears streaming down his face, and I'd say, are you okay? Is there anything I can do?" And he said, "No, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, or we watched a television show and something would get triggered and none of it that I would know, you mm-hmm. know, to go, "Okay, we shouldn't watch that." But and he just let the grief out and you know, uh, it, it, because because it's just always we're always going to be grieving. Like you just said, mm-hmm. if you love someone, deeply then the grief is ongoing and i have another client that um just loved and adored her husband they were they were phenomenal together evidently and and a couple of times it kind of caught her off guard when she was feeling happy through the tears you know feeling happiness feeling connected to him which made her feel happy and the tears but also then finding that she could she could uh reclaim her life
1: mm-hmm.
0: while she was grieving it's not an either or right you know we live in a this world of of opposites right now or polarization or mm-hmm. but it's not it's not an either or because we're we are divine beings we are human and, and there's that wholeness that has to be that doesn't have to be everybody you don't have to do anything I say I but we are in this oneness in this allness in this wholeness so therefore of course grief and happiness go together and love and anger can go together they don't have to directly oppose each other that's right yeah so then emily what what is the one thing you would want you want people to know who are
1: in the process of grieving right now I always tell people the, the first thing when somebody asks me for what do I do, I always say take care of yourself. Mm. Because that, that's so important and it's something that is often neglected in grief, especially early grief. And it's it's vital to to be able to, and I mean making sure that you eat appropriately, making sure that you... Rest appropriately, like you don't spend twenty four hours in bed or you don't spend twenty four hours out of bed. You know, people tend to to go through extremes. And so watch, observe what you're doing. Uh, be with people. Get outside. Do things that that make you happy, what whatever it is, and allow yourself to be happy. And allow yourself to be around people that you love. Don't hide. Yeah, I'm just trying
0: to think when um, when my mom passed away a few years ago. Um, there was that place of wanting to isolate, but recognizing that even if I'm just sitting at a table with somebody, you know, I don't necessarily have to be active in the participation. But I can be there and feel their love or listen to the conversation and and be,
1: be kind of be included I guess mm-hmm. yeah that is and and I'm not saying that today you're you're so sad and you have a hard time getting out of bed or washing your hair or anything else and that I expect you to get up and Get dressed and go out and go to a party this this afternoon. You know? right, right. Take a take the steps that you need to. It might be baby steps at the beginning. Whatever it is, just make sure that you're not stuck, and that you have the control, the power to not be stuck. That you can move forward. Right, I,
0: and I appreciate you said that because moving forward is really all we can do anyway whatever our situation. And we do tend to think that, you know, when people say, oh, don't worry, this too shall pass. What the hell? We know. Okay, maybe maybe it might (laughs) have changed. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It'll change. But it doesn't mean I'm supposed to suck it up, get over it, get through it. And so many people, because it makes other people grief, Makes other people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and so they always want you to feel better, so they feel better, That's and really- not because you feel better. Mm-hmm. It, it's fascinating to watch how individuals do that, and they think that they're being helpful. You know, oh, you'll get through this. Don't, I don't want to hear that right now because it's—I'm it's, yeah. not getting through it right now. Mm-hmm. It's painful right now.
1: Yeah, and, and they also think that they're doing you a favor by leaving you alone so that yep. they won't bother you when that's that's a cop-out. <laughs> the last, what, something people need is to be left alone. They need to be yeah, they... checked up on. Call them, text them, sit and hold their hand. You know, it's not that you have to <clears throat> actively do a big thing. It's just don't forget them.
0: Right, it, and oftentimes... It... <laughs> The outpouring, the flowers, come mm-hmm. right after the the death event.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then a month later, everybody's off doing their own life. And, and they do. They forget that that individual is still in heavy grief. That's why, right. Emily, I think that you writing 52 letters to your friend was spectacular. And such a simple, easy thing for other people to do. Mm-hmm. So that they they so th- those that are grieving, uh, know that they are still thought about, prayed for, loved, um, and considered. You know, when they're suffering, that, so that reminds me. Making I'm gonna make a note, and I'm gonna I have somebody I know I have to write a letter to. Oh, good. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you. So let's talk briefly about the Grief and
1: Happiness Alliance. Now, what what does that what does that do? Well, the Grief and Happiness Alliance is that group that has their gatherings every week that, that writes and talks. Oh, the writing and group. Okay. happiness practices, and we do other things too. When when we find things that we can participate in, like right now, we're co co sponsoring a big international summit on Zoom uh, called "From Morning to Light." Morning Light M O U R. And from morning to light, where we'll have it'll go on for seven days with three different fabulous speakers every day, and so we're both sponsoring that to make sure that it happens. It's it's been going on for three years. This will be the fourth one, and I was on one of the earlier ones. And some of the people that come to our gatherings saw me at that earlier one a couple years ago, and have been coming to the group ever since because um, they they found me there. And they're from different countries. So (laughs) it's it's all you need to be able to interact with all these different people. So we find things to do. We've we've had a a couple of online events that uh, will last like half a day. And it's kind of like a mini retreat that you can do online. Oh, fabulous. Uh, We have a movie club where people can watch the same movie uh, about or or TV series, something uh, that has to do with something to do with grief and then we can get together and talk about it online and we get on a Zoom meeting so that we can see people from all over. It's not just people in your neighborhood. So right, we're right. we're we're open to changing things right now. We're, we're having a campaign here in Maui for the, uh, we call it the Maui Grief Relief Fund, where people can donate $25 to the alliance and for that we will make sure somebody who's dealing with grief with everything that's happened on Maui right now can have a, we can give them a copy of the book and then I'm, I'm working on setting up places where we can do the gatherings in person for the people that are dealing with the particular kind of grief that we're dealing with here on Maui right now. I am so appreciative that you're doing that. And, um,
0: I'm going to pop that. I'm going to pop that in our show notes, but I am also, uh, all right everybody I'm up I'm straight up here we're recording this in November heading into December and December for empowering chats is always about the month of giving so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring that up Emily so that people Mm -hmm. that want to do something for someone else can do that this this as the as they close out 2023 and or when they listen to this show in 2024
1: Mm -hmm um yeah.
0: so we just go to the the grief and happiness alliance and donate there
1: yes and the, the website is just griefandhappiness.com dot com and is there a specific uh button for Yep, yeah, there's a there's a specific uh button for that fund that you can press on that button it will take you directly to where you can contribute okay great we'll put all that
0: information in the show notes everybody as well so you have more of an opportunity to give from your heart for people that are in need and need Emily's book because having having a tool to get through, not just a shovel, mm-hmm, not to be crass, not just a shovel or a hammer or a shopping cart, but to have a tool that helps when everything's cleaned up but the grief is still mm-hmm, swamping you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emily. I, again, I so appreciate the work that you do. I appreciate you said yes to the invitation. I appreciate that you you put together a handbook so people really do have a tool to move forward in their life while grieving. Again, it's called the Grief and Happiness Handbook. Emily Thoreau Threat. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for all that you do. I so appreciate you. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm I'm so happy to do this. And I'm just going to end
0: with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to SusanBorrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.